couple years ago, I was sitting down, uh, taking a break from my job at The Athletic Media Company, and uh, I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing, and I thought, uh, hey, this this could be a partnership because I'm, I'm an ad wizard, and so I put those two things together, and Took a couple years, but now I get to read ads for Athletic Brewing and uh, their non-alcoholic beers, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about it because I like the product. I like the product for a variety of different reasons. There are times where I'm uh, the designated driver, and that is it's perfect for me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing out on a whole lot. There are also times where I'm not the designated driver, but it's going to be a long day of gabbing. And I don't necessarily need to have 10 IPAs in a row. So I will mix in an athletic, non-alcoholic beer. And I I feel like I don't miss a beat. And it allows me to pace myself uh, the way I want to do it. It's perfect for beach days, music festivals, baseball games, camping, late nights. Uh, They have a ton of different varieties. They have uh, Light. They have Upside uh, Dawn Golden. They have Run Wild IPA. They have a Hazy IPA. They have Summer Seasonals. They've got a a Lemon Rattler, Ripe Pursuit. I don't even know what a Rattler is, but now I want to try it. I feel bad that I haven't tried it. So this summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know, Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code T. TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off. It's near beer, non-alcoholic beer, and it tastes... Listen, I grew up with some funky ones. Uh, those didn't taste like beer. This tastes like... This This is good non-alcoholic beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the Athletic FPL Podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. Recording this episode on Sunday evening, just after the Nottingham Forest Tottenham game, which was a roller coaster ride for cane owners with the brace, the penalty miss, a yellow card, and arguably should have been sent off at the end as well for a challenge that went unpunished by the referee. Saturday was a day FPL managers will never forget. Mohamed Salah somehow blanking in a 9-0 win for Liverpool and Erling Haaland buying in a second half hat-trick for Manchester City. Still can't get my head around it 24 hours later. On today's podcast, I'll do a quick review of the game week, update the watch list, answer questions from Twitter and take a look at captaincy and potential transfers for game week 5. Remember, it's a Tuesday deadline this week, 6pm UK time, so don't get caught out by that. If you'd like to become an Athletic subscriber, visit theathletic.com forward slash FPLpod to avail of the latest discount offer for new subscribers. A quick review of game week 4. I took a minus 4 last week, last Tuesday, Got rid of Everson, Nico Williams and Mason Mounts and brought in Ederson, Saliba and Rodrigo. Moved last Tuesday because I had 0.0 in the bank for those moves. I put a tweet up on Saturday morning saying I can't wait to get more than one point from my goalkeeper this week. 
and I should know better, having been on Twitter for a few years now, that those tweets very often backfire. So Ederson got me the same as Danny Ward has got me for the first couple of game weeks. Saliba did the business. Good to see him get the seven-pointer. Rodrigo blanked, but I think that was always going to be a tricky one against Brighton. Didn't buy him for just one game week. So happy to stick with him for the next two or three game weeks, and I still think the points will come there. Good to be done with Mason Mount. Subs at half-time. Obviously, good to be off the Leicester goalkeeper double-up as well. Nico Williams did look good against Tottenham this game week as well. But again, just happy to have five strong defenders now and not have to start Pereira or Nico Williams in the eleven every week. Finished on 70 points, which was 66 after the hit, which was enough for a small green arrow. Saliba, James, Trent and Robertson doing the business in defence. And Haaland with the 17-pointer. What a player he is. There was blanks for Salah, Captain Salah, Jesus, Martinelli, Rodrigo, Cancelo and Ederson. So Cancelo, Ederson, frustrating game week. Manchester City defenders have been a bit frustrating in the last couple of game weeks, conceding goals. But it is Nottingham Forest and Aston Villa next. So I think the chances are pretty good there of at least one clean sheet, if not two. So not going to move away from there just yet. Unfortunately, no new members to the 59th Minute Club in Game Week 4. I'm sure with rotation set to kick in now, there should be plenty in Game Week 5 and Game Week 6. A watch list update. Players removed Zinchenko because he picked up the injury. We don't have any details yet on that. I've removed Shaka as well, mainly because I'm tripled up on Arsenal now with that Saliba transfer. So usually when I triple up on a team, I remove the other assets from that team from the watch list because obviously can't bring any more in. Sancho is gone as well because he came off early. Rashford got more minutes. There's about a million in price difference between those two players. I think if you're going for a cheap Manchester United midfielder, you just go for Rashford. So that's why Sancho is not in my thoughts at the moment. And Callum Wilson is the final player removed because he's picked up an injury and is out for a couple of weeks. Players added. Raheem Sterling, good to see him. In the points again, FPL-wise, getting his brace past the eye test and could become an option. Well, he is an option. Just quite hard to fit him in at that price tag. If you've got the likes of Haaland, Salah, Kane, De Bruyne, you know, it's hard to fit in players like Sterling and also Bruno Fernandes, who, who have added to the watch list as well. He was good at the weekend, got himself a goal and could be back as a strong FPL asset over the next couple of weeks and months as well. In particular, Fernando goes before the transfer window closes. Bruno should have those penalties back and, and hopefully he is a force again like Sterling in FPL because this template is pretty boring. Lots of teams are the same. So we need players like Sterling and Bruno to step up to shake things up a bit. So both players added to the watch list along with Eze at Crystal Palace in the points again with the assist against Manchester City. Like him as a cheap option in midfield. And finally, Isaac, the new Newcastle forward. Wilson's injured. Isaac missed out at the weekend due to a work permit issue. But hopefully they'll have that sorted for midweek. And he could well go straight into the team. So one to keep an eye on. Seven million. Very good price for a very, very good striker. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and we finally reached the closing week of the summer transfer window. Premier League clubs have spent more than their German, Italian, Spanish and French counterparts combined and they are not done yet. Don't miss any of the twists and turns with myself, David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many more on the Athletic Football Podcast this week as we take you inside the deals that really matter. We're free to listen wherever you get your podcasts and we're ad-free on the Athletic app.
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Time to answer some Twitter questions now. Picked out 10 of the best as always. The first one is from FPL Bean Counter. With rotation likely from now on, should we be ensuring our squad consists entirely of players who start? That would mean getting a third playing striker instead of the 4.5 bench fodder and likely moving to a 3-4-3-4-3-3-5-2-3. So yeah, it's, it's going to get tricky for us now. First four game weeks have been pretty plain sailing in terms of picks and rotation and all that we've got a midweek game week five then game week six is the weekend and then champions league and europa league every week for the european teams right up until the world cup so at this point you know part of my transfers last week had this in mind i didn't really want to have to play nico williams or andres Pereira every week i rather them as a first sub or a second sub so with the saliba transfer Pereira will just be my first sub most weeks now and i'm probably going to need him more than i have done so far in the first four game weeks overall rotation I don't think we need to worry too much about it we I I still think with the five subs a lot of players will get 15-20 minutes if they don't start games 
And again, it's it's the big players, it's the important players from teams anyway that are in our FPL team. So, like I said, unlikely that they're going to completely miss out on you know zero minutes in, in any given game. It will happen to some players, but as long as you've got, in particular, one good first sub. Uh, I've seen a few people who wildcarded last week, and I mentioned this to a few people as well. If you are wildcarding soon, it's probably worth thinking about getting a strong 12th player, maybe even stronger than a Pereira or a Nico Williams type, you know, spend a wee bit more in that position because I think that 12th player will come in a lot more often now over the, these rotation risk weeks. So I'm not too worried. Pereira's my first sub. Harrison Reed is my second. At least he plays every week. Then I've got Plange, who has been loaned out now. So I've only, you know, I'm, I'm one down already, but he was never going to see any minutes anyway. So overall, I think you can think about putting a little bit more cash into your 12th man. But if you've got the likes of Pereira, Nico Williams, even Patterson, you know, they're, they're not too bad if you can you keep an eye on the fixtures with those players as well. And, and if they come in and they've got a decent fixture, it, it shouldn't be too bad. So I wouldn't be going out of my way to worry about the rotation. The question said... Should we have a squad of entirely players who start? I don't think so because some of the best FPL picks in the game are huge rotation risks. Perisic is the one that comes to mind. I think I just think he's that good when he does start that you just kind of got to take the rotation on the chin. You take the 20 minutes here and there and even in 20 minutes he could get a goal or assist anyway. So yeah, I wouldn't be selling players just because you're fearful of rotation. I think some people were fearful of Robertson getting rotated game week four. He goes out and gets a nine-pointer. Again, people are still thinking about selling Robertson for the same reason for, for midweek. Could happen. But, I mean, almost every player from those you know European teams are going to be high risk of rotation now. It doesn't really matter across all positions. So, I wouldn't worry too much about it. That's my short answer. Question from Josh. Who are the best Zinchenko replacements depending on his time out? So, yeah, we still don't know. Any details on Zinchenko, so keep an eye out for Arteta's press conference on Monday or Tuesday ahead of the midweek game. If it turns out that Zinchenko is going to be out for a while and you need to sell him, I think an obvious place to go is just go to another Arsenal defender. You could go to Gabriel or Saliba. I rate them quite equally. In my head, Gabriel is still a little bit safer in terms of, of staying in the team, but I think both of them have been brilliant. And I really don't see Arteta breaking up that centre-back partnership. So I like the cash saving on Saliba. That was why I brought him in last week. Just gives you that little bit of flex for other transfers. Other options. Just while I'm on Gabriel and Saliba, Arsenal still have good fixtures. So they've got Villa next. Great fixture. Manchester United, then Everton and Brentford. So the next four weeks are, are pretty good for Arsenal in terms of fixtures. Other options. Cucurella, still like him as an option. Looked like he was going to go off injured just before half time. As a non-owner, I was quietly hoping that he would go off at halftime and I was very surprised to see him pop up with an assist right at the start of the second half. So well done if you had Kukurea for that. And I think Sterling hit the post. Someone hit the post in that game anyway. Can't remember exactly who it was, but Kukurea could have had a second assist in that game as well. So like him as an option. Perisic, who I mentioned, it's tricky now though. I think it's going to be tricky every week for us non-Perisic owners. Do you take the risk and buy him when he could be benched for a midweek game? I think if you're interested in Perisic and you rate him as highly as I do as an FPL prospect, I think you just get him. I don't think it matters when you get him, but you just get him if you want him and you just leave him there long term and you start him every week. So Perisic, Kukurea, and I still like Lewis Dunk as well if you want to spend a little bit less on your Zinchenko replacement. So plenty of good defensive options out there. Question from Dominic Hurst about the Manchester City defence. More so Cancelo. Should we stick or ship? Dominic was thinking about Lewis Dunk to free up funds. 
to upgrade a cheap midfielder to someone like Gross or Rodrigo or even a cheap attacker to Mitrovic. Yeah, I like both of those ideas, you know, upgrading a cheap midfielder to Rodrigo or Gross, who are two very good options. Mitrovic is right up there as one of my most wanted players as well. So I don't mind people upgrading their 4.5 striker to get Mitrovic in somehow. Question is, do we stick or twist with Cancelo? For me, I'm happy to stick and it comes down to fixtures which is Nottingham Forest and Aston Villa, like I said. Looking into the numbers, and again, going to mention a few numbers on the podcast today, but it's still only four game weeks of information, so always take them with a pinch of salt because things can change very quickly in terms of numbers when it is such a small sample size. But it's not looking good so far for Cancelo. Among all defenders in the game, he's 37th for expected goal involvement. Now, usually we would see him in the top five. The players who are in the top five for expected goal involvement among defenders are Trent, Rhys James, Nico Williams is right up there, which is great for his price. And Perisic is also in the top five there as well. So we really need to see an improvement from Cancelo. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking... Probably looking at a wildcard around game week 8, game week 9. So it's going to be one where I probably just keep Cancelo until the wildcard and then look at the numbers again, you know, in terms of the eye test as well. It might be a case where, where we lose him because he might just not be the asset that he was last season. But for me, it's still too early to make a call on that one. So I'm just going to write it out for at least two more game weeks and come back to it then. Question from Harry McMullen. If I can't afford Trossard or Gross how viable is Solly March as a Brighton asset Harry says he loves his flexibility in Potter's system and he had several big chances to score against Leeds so while I was having a look at the defensive numbers I had the website open so I said I may as well have a look here at Solly March as well he's not on my watch list but when you look at the numbers maybe he should be because his numbers are as good and some of his numbers are better than Gross and Trossard. So just a few of them. Over the course of the first four game weeks, March has had three big chances, which is the same as Pascal Gross. He's had eight shots in the box, which is three more than Pascal Gross. Trossard does have more shots in the box on nine. And March's XG is slightly higher than Trossard's, but it is behind Pascal Gross. So I think all three are viable. I still favour Gross. I just think he is he's on it this season. He's playing better probably than he ever has done. Potter on the Match of the Day highlights basically said he's in the form of his life. And it's always good to hear those kind of comments from a player's manager as well when it comes to FPL picks. So I think the big thing with Gross as well over March, set pieces and his set piece delivery is so good. You know, it's on the money all the time. He's one of the best set piece takers in the division. So I still favour Gross, but if you can't afford him, I don't mind a punt on Solly March. In particular, if you if you've still got your wild card, you can get March for three or four game weeks, and he might he might take over nicely for five million. Yeah, so he's fine. But I do prefer Gross. Gross number one. Still probably Petrosar number two if you can afford it, and then March comes third from the Brighton midfield. Question from Josh: Best Neto replacements. Really frustrating game week for Neto owners. Had a couple of really good chances. Had an assist which was ruled out for offside. So you probably do need to let him go now. He's, he's just not doing the business. He's he's a bit of a, a weak link in your squad. Options around the same price. I mean, you're going to need a bit of cash for all of these because he has dropped to 5.3. You could go up to 5.5 if you've got a, a few bob extra for Aronson or Eze. Gross, who I mentioned, a little bit more. Guedes. 
at the moment, to me, Guedes looks a better pick in the Wolves midfield, but I still probably wouldn't make a sideways switch from Neto to Guedes. I would go somewhere else or just keep Neto if you if you fancy staying invested in Wolves a little bit longer. Then you're going to need more cash for players like Rodrigo. Rashford's an option now. The other option then is you just go cheap. You know, you could go right down to 4.4 or maybe 4.6 to De Silva, who's still getting minutes for Brentford. And then maybe with your second transfer this week, or your game week six transfer, you use the cash you saved from Neto to De Silva, and then you do something else. If you don't own Andreas Pereira, I always assume most people do, but I'm sure some people don't. You could do you could do him as well and just free up cash for future transfers. So again, plenty of options out there, but there's not any you know real amazing options unless you spend a little bit extra. Next question is from George Butters: Is moving from Salah to Luis Diaz for funds crazy? I don't think it's crazy, but it's not something I would advise doing. I think Salah and Diaz as a combination is probably what we should all be looking at in our midfields. I'm on Robertson, Trent and Salah. Ideally, I'd be on Trent, Salah and Diaz. I just think Diaz is a better option than Robertson for the time being, even though Robertson did pretty well himself in that 9-0 victory. I just feel with with the injuries, with the suspension to Darwin, I know it's probably only one more game now, but Diaz is just such a classy player and I'm always very fearful when I'm watching a Liverpool game. I'm fearful on one hand that they're going to concede because they haven't been great defensively and every time they attack, you know, Diaz is heavily involved and, and just looks so good. So I wouldn't sell Salah. But I would look to try and get Diaz in if you can easily alongside him because I think that's probably the best way to go. Diaz or, or Salah himself, I know people are frustrated after a blank in a 9-0 victory, 18 attacking returns for Liverpool in that game, zero for Salah. That will never, ever happen again to, to a big a big asset in a, in a 9-0 victory. Might not even see a 9-0 victory again for a few years. So don't sell Salah just because you're annoyed. You know, he had two big chances in that game. If you haven't seen them, I would say go back and watch him. Maybe you shouldn't go back and watch him because that might make you even more frustrated. He basically missed from a yard out somehow. And then he had another chance from maybe four or five yards that he just snatched at and it went over. So on another day, in a 9-0 victory, we're talking about you know three or four goals for Salah uh, and two or three assists. So don't overreact. Uh, and I still think he's a very good captaincy candidate for midweek. Question from FPL Yogi. Is it time to cash in on Kulisevsky and get a Leeds midfielder instead? I wouldn't be moving away from Kulisevsky. I watched the Nottingham Forest Tottenham game in its entirety today and Kulisevsky owners were unlucky to get just six points in that game. There's quite a few occasions where he cut in onto that left foot and you know missed the target or shots were blocked a few times. He was getting very frustrated with himself, but he was getting into positions and the chances were there. And we know he creates chances as well with that great left foot of his. So Kulisevsky, for me, I think is still one of the best 8 million midfielders. And yeah, it's probably okay to sell him, but I don't think I'd be in a rush to sell him for a Leeds midfielder. I would rather just keep Kulisevsky because I expect more points to come over the next couple of weeks as well. Question from FPL Sinatra. What to do with two free transfers if you don't have any serious issues? Is there any sideways strategic moves you can make for your bench players? For example, a 4.5 million forward to another 4.5 million forward with lower ownership because there might be less chance of their price changing. Yeah, so it's been very common this season in the first few game weeks where managers have two free transfers and there's absolutely nothing to improve on. So in that case, you've kind of got to look for something that you could do to use one transfer 
and then you'll still have two free transfers the week after. So if you are in a scenario where you've got a perfect 11, you don't want to change anything. First of all, don't make a transfer just for the sake of it. It's absolutely fine just to let the transfers burn, which has been quite common from a lot of the top managers this season. The things you would be looking for there, especially if you're new to the game, you might not have done this before. In my case, for example, I've got Plange, the 4.5 million forward, who's no longer in the game. So I could look to move to an Archer or a Stansfield or a Sam Greenwoods or Dervisoglu at Brentford or something like that. I had a look at FPL Statistics today, which is the price prediction website. Quite a few of these 4.5 forwards are on their way towards a drop already. So go and have a look at that. Uh, you know, it just depends on which one you have. The one to be careful with is Stansfield. He's probably not going to drop in price, but you've got to be careful. If you've got Andres Pereira, if you're like me and you've got Harrison Reed, don't get Stansfield because you could block yourself from getting Mitrovic. So always keep that in mind. Try avoid triple ups from those lesser teams in case it blocks you from a, a very good asset like a Mitrovic. The other things you can look at then is if you've got a good goalkeeper now, like a Sanchez, and you've got Wards, you're going to play Sanchez every week, or, or you should. I know some people are talking about the Sanchez-Ward rotation, but my advice would be just never play Ward because Leicester just don't do clean sheets. So start Sanchez every week. So you could save 0.1 by going Ward to Everson because Everson's 3.9. Especially if you're going to wildcard soon, you don't really need to have a second playing goalkeeper for the short term. Another common move I've seen a few people mention, if you have Gabriel from the Arsenal defence, and if you rate him and Saliba equally, or if you think Saliba's better, you can go Gabriel to Saliba to free up some cash. But again, that comes down to how you feel about those two players. And the other option then is if, you, if you've got a Harrison Reed or some other 4.5 million midfielder who's your second sub or your third sub, you sell the 4.5 and you buy a 4.4. But again, be careful if you're buying a 4.4. Buy them from a, a rubbish team that you don't have other assets from. You know, you don't want to buy uh, an Arsenal 4.4. For example, I think El Nene might be 4.4. You don't do that because you're going to block an Arsenal spot. So you might find something to do in your team. You might not. And if you don't find anything, just leave it and just, just let it burn. Question from John Lugsden. If you're like me and you're around 750k in the rankings and mid-table in a lot of mini-leagues, do you need to move away from the template of Cancelo, James, Martinelli, Jesus, Haaland, Salah, etc. to make upward moves? Short answer here is no. You Just because you feel like your team is the same as everyone else, it isn't. And you could you could stick with you know a pretty strong team you know, a, a team that's pretty similar to the template. I don't really like using that word, but, you know, a team that is made up of most of the highly owned players that the engaged managers have, you're still going to move up the rankings if you if you, if you you score well with those players. So it's it's such early days. You know, John is 750k. My rank, I think, is 2.5 million after four game weeks. So it's obviously not been a good start, but I'm in absolutely no way panicked by that because there's, you know, 34 game weeks to go. And in my head, it's just a matter of just chipping away at it slowly. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not going to overthink ownership of players or do I need to go different from other people. I'm just going to trust the players I have and, and just keep it simple. I'm going to keep picking the players and making sensible transfers that I think are going to get me the most points, sensible captaincy choices. Nothing is going to change for me just because my rank is 2.5 million after four game weeks. And, and I've been trying to do this for years and I'm, I'm doing a lot better this season. You'll notice I'm not going to mention my rank too often on the podcast and that's deliberate. I used to always mention it in the game week review. You know, I would say what my green arrow is, what my red arrow is, but I'm avoiding it and I'm very, very rarely looking at it this season because it's pointless. I say it every year, it's pointless. Look at it in game week 38. That's the only time that matters because it can play into your thinking 
and and I know people already. I felt I felt the emotions myself. You, you know, the, your chimp brain says to you, you've had a bad start, you haven't had a great start, go fix it, overreact, do something. You, you feel like you need to try and instantly fix things, but you don't. Try and come at it with an approach of, try get a, a 100k green arrow every week for the next 30 game weeks. You know, change your mindset and just try and enjoy the ride. If you've, if you've had a difficult start, take on the challenge relish the challenge and just chip away at it and try and arrive in game week 38 with your best rank of the season that's i think that's the best way to play fpl is you know chase and chase and chase and then you don't want your you know the people now that are in the top 10k they'll be gloating they'll be posting stuff all over social media but come game week 38 that's what really matters so you know think play the long game um you know i always like to think of it as an investment as well you know if you if you buy stocks in game week one over the course of the season, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, but you're just hoping by the end of it, the long game, usually your your investments will work out. So yeah, just stay calm is the main thing. Don't overreact and just make sensible decisions, make sensible transfers, make sensible captaincy choices and don't overthink it. Similar question from FPL head teacher. The template seems so strong and everyone's team is so similar. How do we make progress up the rankings? Is it about patience or is it about more differentials? Again, I wouldn't be going out of the way just to pick differentials to try and shoot yourself up the rankings. You've got to remember a differential is probably a differential for a reason. You know, when we say a differential, you're probably talking about a player that's got ownership of less than 5%. And if they have ownership of less than 5%, it's because you know, the best FPL managers in the world don't rate them as a good asset. And that's why they've got players that have, you know, 40% and 50% ownership. So again, the main one here is patience. Just stay patient. Keep telling yourself it's still August. You know, it's the season has just started. So just, you know, take it one game at a time. And just what I'm doing is just aiming for a green arrow each week. I got a green arrow this week. It was a small one, but it's a green arrow. And that gives me confidence to go into the next game. We can get another green arrow and just hopefully you build up the momentum. And like I say, you will finish with a good rank if you just play that sensible way for the long haul. Game week five captaincy now. I put a poll on Twitter this evening. And to be honest, I made a mess of the poll. I put two options in it when I should have put three. I put Haaland and Salah. And I should have put Jesus in there as well against Aston Villa. So this is not the best gauge of captaincy that you'll ever hear from me. But the two options, Haaland came out way on top against Nottingham Forest with 63% of the vote. Salah against Newcastle got 27% and other got 9.2%. But like I said, I think if I put Jesus in there as a third option, that would have changed things quite a bit. So Salah has Newcastle. Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne have Nottingham Forest at home. Jesus home to Aston Villa. Harry Kane is away to West Ham. So I think the best candidates are probably those four. And at the moment in my team, after his hat-trick at the weekend, I placed the armband on Haaland because I think Nottingham Forest... At home is a better fixture than Newcastle at home for Salah. But again, we've got that slight fear of Pep Roulette, don't we? So that's what I need to weigh up between now and Tuesday's deadline. Do I think Haaland gets a rest or gets reduced minutes? Or do I just captain him anyway? Because even if he did get 20 minutes, this guy could get a brace. So at the moment, I'm on Haaland. If I don't go Haaland, I'll give Salah and Jesus some consideration. But leaning towards Manchester City man at the moment on Sunday night. If you're 
looking to do something different with your captaincy this week, if you feel like it's a week where you can take a punt, maybe it is a week when there is slight concerns over Haaland. Um, you could go for someone like Sterling if you have him against Southampton. Rodrigo, I think, is a really good fixture at home to Everton. And then if you've got Luis Diaz, I like him as an alternative captain against Newcastle as well. So plenty of options, as usual, out there for the armband this week. Game week five, transfer thoughts. Most likely going to bank my transfer because my team looks pretty good on paper. No major weaknesses, no injuries, no suspensions or anything like that. The top three targets for me at the moment are Perisic. Luis Diaz and Mitrovic. To get Mitrovic requires a bit of surgery because I've got a 4.5 striker. To get Perisic means I would need to lose a good asset like a Robertson, a Trent, a James or a Cancelo or a Saliba. So I'm slightly concerned about Perisic starting midweek so I'll probably just go another week without him. But before long I think he will come into my squad um, and it's probably going to be the Robertson spot or the Cancelo spot. It might even just be a, a first wild card pick for me I might just wait on Perisic for then uh, Luis Diaz again tricky to get there because I moved away from my 8 million midfield spot by selling Mason Mount for Rodrigo last week and I've got triple Liverpool so that requires a bit of surge as well so I'll probably just stick with Robertson again until the first wild card and then maybe make the switch to Diaz at that point but hopefully by then Robertson has proven himself that he should stay in the squad long term Have a good week, folks, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday or Friday to preview Game Week 6. I'm not sure yet which day I will be recording, but there will be a podcast before Game Week 6 as well. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support me, visit patreon.com forward slash FPL General, where you'll get extra podcasts, a Thursday night live stream, and a team reveal before each deadline. Thanks for taking the time to listen, folks, and best of luck for the Game Week. The Athletic.